0: Welcome to From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Face front, true believers. This is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. As always, a big thanks to everyone who put the National Podcast Post Month Challenge into action, specifically Jennifer Navaretti. This has been a a tremendous challenge, recording, editing, and posting 30 episodes of a podcast within 30 days. And as you know, we're going to go a little bit further than that, since there are about 35 movies that we're going to be covering. And the first, the one that we're covering tonight is the first attempt to redo what was done before. Way back at the beginning of all this, I had covered 1989's The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren and Louis Gossett Jr. And I enjoyed it for the most part. I thought that the very low budget actually wound up being an asset because it allowed the movie to play, like a B-movie, like a Midnight movie, and very much in the style of canon films. It had that sort of feel, that gritty, grindhouse type of feel to it. Like I said, for the most part, the middle part kind of dragged. Uh, But overall, I was into the vibe that it was getting. Now, Marvel did not want to just let that sit as the de facto version of The Punisher, of the story of Frank Castle. They knew that this was a character that was worth getting, actually making it on the big screen in U.S. theaters. Who knew? And as early as 1997, they had been developing it. Now, in doing a little bit of research for this episode, I found out something really interesting. Back in 2000, and this was right around the time that X-Men had hit and Blade had hit a couple of years ago, so they were crawling out of the wreckage that they were under in the mid 90s. They were finally looking at looking at themselves as a company that has viable characters, viable properties that can really go somewhere. Now granted, this is about two years before Spider-Man. So this was it, it, this was a good confidence booster, especially with X-Men. But what they did was uh, Marvel went ahead and made a deal with Artisan Entertainment. And they, if you don't know Artisan Entertainment, they were the lucky winners of the distribution of the Blair Witch Project, which was a huge, huge win for them. And they have also done like a lot of other lower budget films. They know how to take smaller budgets and turn it into something that's, that's worthy to make it into theaters and Marvel being Kind of notoriously cheap, they set up a long-term agreement with Artisan Entertainment to turn, this was really interesting, 15 of their characters into films and television shows. Now, the Punisher was one of them, and Ann Hurd, who would do The Hulk in 2003, and was also a big big player with movies like The Terminator, Terminator 2... Aliens, with The Walking Dead. I believe she was a producer on Armageddon. So she's definitely like a a top person to want to do business with. And she was going to be one of the producers on The Punisher. Funny enough, when I did a little bit more research into the deal with Artisan, I was shocked to see that what some of the characters that they had was uh, they were Iron Fist. And at that time, they had Ray Park, fresh off of Star Wars Episode One and X-Men to play the role. They also had, this was really interesting, Thor and Captain America. So who knows what the comic book movie playing field would be like if Artisan was able to proceed with all of those instead of Basically, from what I understand, since Artisan got swallowed up by Lionsgate, they eventually let those deals lapse because they wound up getting back into into the fold with Marvel. And they were able to use them as a springboard for what would eventually be Marvel Studios. April of 2002, they were bringing in Jonathan Hensley. And he was a very accomplished screenwriter. His spec script Simon says, became Die Hard with a Vengeance, which did very well in the summer of 1995. And he was also one of the several writers on Armageddon. I believe he was the one who initially came up with with the concept. But he came aboard not only to be the screen, to work on the writing of it, but it also became his directing debut. And he used a couple of of big comic book uh, stories for The Punisher. Obviously, he used the Punisher year one because they were going to redo the origin story. But they also grabbed some elements from a well-known story called Welcome Back, Frank, that Garth Ennis wrote. The more I learned about this and the closer I looked to the actual movie, the more shocked I was that there were elements that were played for laughs in the movie that were actually part of Welcome Back, Frank. Specifically, the three of the three roommates that Frank befriends. So it's it was it was an interesting a combination of everything overall. I didn't hate it, I but I didn't love it either. I thought Thomas Jane did fine. I actually liked the way like he almost like shut down like that like he literally just kind of closed off the part of him of Frank Castle when he decided to seek revenge on the Saint family that killed that killed his family, which was pretty damn brutal by the way. I was glad to see Roy Scheider as. Frank's father. I thought that was a, that was a great touch, specifically since Roy Scheider was Chief Brody in Jaws and Jaws Two, and he had done you know some other roles as well, like Sorcerer, and so he was definitely keeping himself busy. And that the movie itself kind of has a little bit of that seventies feel to it, which I enjoyed. Um, the tone really did kind of go all over the place. And while I appreciated the fact that they wanted to brighten moments up with a little bit of extra, little literal brightness with some extra color to the scenes, I was a little bit put off by the choice of wardrobe for Kevin Nash as the as the big Russian that that uh, that that goes after Frank when as one of the several mercenaries that are that are sent after him. For those of you who know Kevin Nash, if you're not a wrestling fan, Kevin Nash is known as Diesel. He's also known as Kevin Nash from both WCW and WWF and WWE. And he has also been in his share of films. Later on, he would be Tarzan and Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. But but back in the early 90s, he he had a... a small but memorable role as the "quote unquote" Super Shredder in *Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles* 2: The Secret of the Ooze, and in that scene, the Shredder that we know had a little vial of this specific ooze that that was responsible for turning the turtles into from from little turtles into the ones that we know and love. And so, at one point. He gets some of that on him or drinks it, whatever the case. And it turns him into like this huge, like hulking version of himself. And um, so there's Kevin Nash in that role as the super shredder, as they called him. Now, consider that, consider what he's, the outfit that he's wearing and the presence that he has. Consider, consider that the result of Pugsley Adams taking some of that ooze and turning into this this hulking presence with that the same kind of shirt. That was basically like what I was thinking the whole time while I was watching it. It was just like wow, a Pugsley Adams shirt, huh? Interesting choice. And I couldn't get my head my head around the rest of that. And but at the same time like there are some there there's quite a bit of memorable moments in this. I thought having the mercenary known as Harry Heck come out and played by, I believe it was Tom Colley. He was one of the first mercenaries that Frank has to deal with. And he sits down with a guitar and plays this awesome song called In Time. And f- going back to wrestling, there's a lot of there's a lot of wrestling elements that that are in here. And a big part of it is the soundtrack. Because if you take a look at the soundtrack, there is a handful of of songs that were appropriated by WWE. there was. It starts off with Step Up by Drowning Pool, and that was used as the theme song to WrestleMania 20. There was another song called Eyes Wired Shut, and I know that was used in, for a WWE pay-per-view, but I'm trying to remember which one it is. In Time was used as a fantastic video that was made right before uh, Triple H versus The Undertaker in WrestleMania 27. And there's another song called uh, "Slow Chemical" by Finger Eleven, and that wound up being the theme song for a while for Kane. So there's and there are some other ones I'm sure are mixed in there as well. Um, But overall, like the I really enjoyed the soundtrack. I got a real kick out of that. So definitely give that give that a listen if you like some good like hard rock and everything. And then with something really, really cool and mellow with in time but at the same time given it like a nice menacing feel to it. Like I said, I, I was I was pleased with Thomas Jane. I thought he did, you know, a perfectly fine job. I'm not, you know, like the biggest Punisher fan. So there are I'm sure there are like little elements that I may have missed. The when he find, when he puts on the skull shirt, it does feel a little bit too much like a t-shirt. It doesn't feel like it's anything tactical. Thankfully that is addressed in uh, in a few years from now, but overall, I think the uh, the main problem with this film, I hate to say it, but it's got to be John Travolta. Um, now, when Travolta is able to really sink his teeth into something, then it's just an awesome feeling. Obviously, you know, like he he was he deservedly got his Oscar nomination for Pulp Fiction, but like there's a truly memorable performance in Face Off the way that he the way that he just just let it all out and it was fabulous just him and Nick Cage just working to outact outact each other while you have the most over the top director in Hollywood also like right behind the camera just kind of egging them both on with the doves ready to go and of course it's John Woo so but it feels like with this one he Travolta looks either distracted or bored. And I hate to say that because he can let it out. He can let, you know, let it all out even with even with movies like Gotti. I did not like the movie. I felt that it was a very frustrating attempt to try to be a Scorsese film without being a Scorsese film, trying to just basically like copy elements from it and trying to think that that would make it a Scorsese film. But at the same time, the glue that held that movie together was Travolta as Gotti because the man was 100 percent dialed into that role. And you can call it over the top, whatever. I thought he nailed it. I thought he you can see that he just worked his ass off on it and really wanted to make that movie work. Sadly, it didn't. But, but kudos to him for going all out to make it happen. I wish that we had gotten some of that in his role for The Punisher. Because it just felt way too muted. It felt way, way too muted. And even with his big moment in the climax, it didn't feel like he was even really putting all that much into it. There's a moment where he gets dragged across a parking lot and he's just going like, ah... And it's it's not there. It's just not there. And it, and it creates a very, very weak climax. So that definitely hurt it. But at the same time, overall, I feel like there was enough here to recommend, but at the same time, a very, very weak recommend. This was, I would say, like one of the lesser of the Marvel movies. I feel like there's definitely room for improvement with, with The Punisher. And a few years later, we would get that. And then some. So overall, I like I said, I feel like it was all right. But the moments that worked really, really worked. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it came out. I'm glad that it became, I would say, like a mild success in, at the box office. And I'm really looking forward to you know like what's to come. I was glad to see that that was out there because it just meant that there was more on the horizon for Marvel. And boy, was there ever in 2004, especially considering the next movie that we're gonna be discussing. In the meantime, if, you, if you're if you enjoying this, this rundown of all these different Marvel movies, the celebration of the movies outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, please let me know. I'm at facebook.com slash from duck till dark. Always love to hear from you. Always love to hear any sort of suggestions about what to do for season two. And like I said, I got a big one coming up for the next episode. So until then, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior, I'll see you tomorrow.